0: Good morning. It's Wednesday, June 29th, and you're listening to the College Football Daily. I'm your host, Chris Hummer. In a moment, you'll hear an interview with new Oklahoma head coach Brent Venables, who touches on his journey to Oklahoma, his quarterback situation, and much, much more. But before we get there, let's briefly go over some important scheduling news that came out of the ACC on Monday. The league announced starting for the 2023 season, it would eliminate divisions and move to a 3-5-5 scheduling model. That means each ACC team will play eight conference games a year, three against permanent opponents, and five against teams outside their fixed-year schools. Those five opponents will rotate. That way, each ACC school plays each other twice in a four-year period with ho- one home and one road game each. For example, Clemson's permanent opponents are Florida State, Georgia Tech, and NC State, but the Tigers will also play Wake Forest two times between 2023 and 2026. The ACC championship game participants will be determined by conference-winning percentage. No more divisions. Expect changes like this to be more common in college football over the next few years. The Pac-12 and Mountain West have already moved to eliminate divisions after the NCAA in May eliminated the requirement of divisions to host a conference championship game. It's the way of the future in college football. And speaking of someone who's participated in a number of ACC title games over the last decade, here's former Clemson defensive coordinator and current Oklahoma head coach Brent Venables. I wanted to start with a question that I know a lot of people are probably curious about. We've watched you on the sidelines for years, and I have to start by asking, will you have a get-back guy this year at Oklahoma?
1: Yeah, there'll be no need for a big get-back get guy. Those days are over. I think uh, I think he's retired from his get-back days, uh, my, my get-back guy from Clemson.
0: Pretty good job at UVA
1: now. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, uh, Adam, Adam would do a great job there, so... Yep, no big get back guys. Well, we have plenty of guys managing sidelines. I'm part of that sideline. So, just like every football sideline, you got to keep people off the field and out of harm's way. So, we'll continue to do that.
0: Does being the head coach just come with a slightly calmer demeanor on the sideline? Is that is that the reason for no get back guy? I don't know. I think
1: I was fine. You know, I never had a penalty. <laughs> My whole career, I've never had a penalty. So, I think I'll,
0: I'll be all right. A more, uh, I guess, a more serious question. You were a Clemson for a decade and you, had, you probably had a lot of chances to leave. Um, what made Oklahoma the right fit for you um, as you pondered that decision? Yeah, I mean, a lot of things. It wasn't just one thing.
1: Relationships was a big part of it. Having lived and been a part of uh, this program and this community and this university for 13 years was a big part of it. You know, certainly a, a level of comfort. Relationships with the same athletic director and Joe Castiglione, uh, who's as good as there is in the business. A lot of stability. You know, this is the program has won the most games in college football the last 50 years. The only program since 1999 that uh, has not endured a losing season in the Power Five, in a place that has the most conference championships in the genesis of college football, 50 of them. So a lot of not only a, um, success, but championship excellence and stable leadership. You know, Joe Harris, president of our universities, when I was here before, you know, he's the dean of the law school, and then he became general counsel for the university, and then now the president. So from alignment with uh, the with leadership, Norman's a wonderful community, over 100,000 people. It's a very diverse and connected community. We Sold out every home game since 1999, had the best winning percentage, I believe, since uh, 2000, lost 11 times the last 21 years in this stadium. A lot of excellence going A lot of people talk about, well, we got, you know, there, the number of seats that they have in their stadium, the stadium size, but we've sold them out. And not only that, we've won more than anybody, you know, in the last 21 years at home. So trying to take a, a, a great program that's been very stable. We've won 78 games the last seven years. I was with Coach Stoops when he was here, came in 1999. And he recruited me out of high school. Uh, still a big part of this program and in ways both, you know, on and off the field, mostly off the field now, but has a couple of sons still uh, on the team. And so through, you know, this process, when it came open, there was a lot of comfort, a lot of clarity for me. It doesn't mean that I wouldn't have left for another job, but it had to be the right one, you know, a place that you can win at the highest level, do it at a place where you, you love the people that you're working with and you love where you live every day, where you're raising a family and you know, where there's a, a growth mindset, progressive, forward thinking, leadership Uh, That's innovative and hungry and never satisfied. I want to constantly push the needle in the right direction, but to be great at something, I think that you don't ever stay the same.
0: I want to stay introspective for a second. You mentioned Coach Stoops and Coach Sweeney. Obviously, we worked for for a decade. Two of the most influential college football coaches of the last 50 years. No question. How much of your coaching DNA, how much of your head coaching blueprint and plan are you taking from those two? And how are you intermixing your own philosophies and personality into that? Well... We would both be
1: remiss if we didn't um, make it a point. My foundation started with Bill Snyder. He would write
0: me a handwritten letter saying how wrong I was there, I think. Well, and deservedly so. He's
1: still to this day known as the architect of the biggest turnaround in the history of college football and what he was able to do to take that program that has close to the most losses ever in college football history to take it. The last game that Coached in the in the Big Twelve, there was uh, the Big Twelve Championship where we were in the number one team in the country, and uh, it had the top ranked defense in college football. And a number of the last years that we were there, and, and he's had that program back even since I went to Oklahoma and then to Clemson. He while he was still coaching, got him back to number one again. And I think they had a late season, tough loss to Baylor. Cats did. And I learned, and Coach Stoops, remember, he worked for Bill Snyder. Hired him. I think that was maybe Coach Stoops' second job. He was a GA at Iowa. Kent State was his first full-time job and then, and then got hired at Kansas State and then recruited me. And then went to bat for me, along with uh, Jim Levitt, to, to help me get hired when Jim Levitt went to South Florida. To start that program, I got promoted with Coach Stoops' encouragement. Uh, pretty ironic. Super, super thankful. But I got, I cut my teeth under Bill Snyder, who showed me what organization, what details, what consistency and your messaging and how to get more out of less. And this, the, uh, the grassroots of, you know, hard work and toughness, discipline and team and family to never give up. And like, that's a mindset. Oh, is that what sound Some people, it's cliche and it's something that's cool to put on the wall. And then some people's in their DNA. In their fiber. And for us that were there uh, during that era, we all deeply understand um, what that looks like. And so for me, foundationally, I could not have learned from a better man than Bill Schneider.
0: We'll be right back with more from Oklahoma head coach Brent Venables after this break. I want to turn the the lens inward of the roster a little bit real quick. You spoke earlier about having to overcome adversity and have to deal with those moments. And you had some quarterback attrition in your room and you ended up bringing in Dylan Gabriel to help address that. Um, what does he mean for this team going into your first year?
1: Yeah, yeah. It was a fun spring at times for probably Coach Levy, frustrated. You know, just because everything was new for everyone other than Dylan. Dylan was the one guy that had experience within the system. And then the, the rest of them really hadn't thrown a, a ball in a college game at Oklahoma anyway. And so, um, but Dylan really transitioned quickly, you know, very calm. He's not a big rah-rah guy incredibly confident, shows tremendous humility day in and day out, how he does what he does, but he's got a positivity. He's got good juice, a great presence to him. He's always ready. Uh, He's a ball junkie. You know, he's around the the football offices nonstop and, um, and players like him. They're attracted to his work ethic and again, his humility. And he's got a, a, a can do get to mindset, you know, with everything that he does, but the great ones, the great play callers, the great CEOs, the great players, Maybe it's the great corner, maybe it's the great quarterback. They they compete with this different level of anticipation, no matter what it is. And um, and so he he does a great job, you know, from an anticipation standpoint. If that's pocket presence or throwing the ball on time, even though that window's closed, he knows it's getting ready to open up. Uh he has those instinctual things to him too that you can't coach uh, that you love about the really good
0: one. So he's been wonderful in every way. What made Coach Levy the right fit at OC? And even as a defensive coach, I'm wondering, what makes the Beard shoot so hard to defend, even in 2022? Well, you know, he's one of the 17 former players on staff, right? And that doesn't make
1: him the great fit. That's just, there's lots of the ands as opposed to buts with, when you talking about Jeff Levy. So, uh, But I was here uh, when we recruited him out of Andrews, Texas back after the 1999 season. And um, really cool for me to see uh, this group of guys that are best friends. uh, Joe John, uh, also another former Oklahoma great from Arlington High School or DeMarco Murray from Bishop Gorman and you got Kale Gundy from, you know, Midwest City. uh, All these, you know, former Oklahoma greats. And then you got Bill Bedenboe, who's the best in in college football and in um, Oklahoma's home for him. So to know if I brought Jeff into that setting, I knew about those all those relationships and how it could be like this, okay, from a fit standpoint. But Jeff fits me too and um, who he is as a husband and a father and a leader and who he was as a player, know, knowing what he comes from, from. He's been incredibly successful, everything he does. He, he does it and over delivers and, and he's done the same thing as an offensive coordinator. So philosophy, scheme, adjustments, creativity, understanding defense, you know, I think it's really just one thing to intimately understand your side of the ball, but when you intimately understand how people do what they do and why they do what they do on the other side of the ball, I think takes your game as a, as a coordinator to a whole nother level. And uh, Jeff has, you know, instinctually um, those same types of qualities uh, as well. And then um, he's got a great presence to him, you know, anybody that's met Jeff was like, man, he's impressive, humble, uh, well-spoken, strong command, got a great presence. He's a tough guy, you know, and, um, but he's very technical and uh, a tremendous teacher.
0: I I know every situation is different, but I'm, At Ole Miss and a couple of the stops before that for him, he played really fast in terms of place per minute. They were near the top of the country in that category. How do you think about that offense in terms of the context of complementary defense to go with it? Like, how is how does that relationship function? I think it.
1: Um, the defense's job is to stop people and the offense's job is to be efficient and score points. And so, first of all, it starts with that. Are there opportunities to complement one another? Absolutely. You know, you got to be able to do that. And uh, But you got to be efficient. You know, to me, whatever you decide to do, if it's, if you're a press team, you're playing press man-to-man coverage all the time, and you got guys that can't press, then you better stop pressing. You better change it up. And if we're a team that's going to go really fast, and we're punting all the time, and we're not scoring points, we ain't going to be going very fast. I can tell you that. So you got to be efficient. Whatever it is that you do, you need to be efficient. And at the end of the day, win. That's the number one goal is win. I don't care what it is. You know, I've got my own sense of pride and I got a a very clear vision for what um, the cleanliness that winning, we want it to look like. Okay. Very clear vision. But at the end of the day, the goal is to win. So uh, if they go, you know, a thousand miles an hour doing so, great. You know, but at the end of the day, you want to be um, efficient, you know again, on both sides of the ball and and uh, complement one another. So um, I, I certainly recognize the the strain that it can cause, you know, from all the different things that it can uh, cause issues for, for defense. And, um, but the biggest thing is, is being efficient, you know, understanding who to block, how to target people, you know, making sure we're in, you know, good place and things of that nature, you know, from a situational standpoint, to me, you can't, hope that the other team isn't lined up in order to win the game. That's not, that's not why you go no huddle to me or in tempo, you know, to me. Okay. What if they get lined up and handle your tempo? Now, can you block? Can you be physical? You know, can you be efficient? Can you score points? They know what you're in. They got their hand in the dirt. Okay. They're ready to play fundamentals and technique and got eyes where they need to be. That's the defensive strategy to that. Right. All right. So now what? And, and so I don't want to Relying on on somebody not being lined up in order to win and be successful. Uh, will that inherently be a byproduct of that? Yep. But not, when it's said and done, okay, you hang your hat on physicality and precision and technique and fundamentals and uh, competitive plays. Okay. And
0: execution. All right. Uh, not counting on somebody not getting lined up. A bit of a roster philosophical question, but you all took 13 transfers this offseason in a transition class, which I know has a lot to do with that. That's a lot different than what you experienced the last decade at Clemson. How in non-transition years will the portal play as part of your vision for the program? Yeah, I mean, I, I would love to to rely heavily on, on high school kids and be a developmental
1: program. I believe inherently in that, you know, having guys here for three, four and five years, the continuity um, helps you be successful, uh, both on your staff. And in the locker room, there's no reason for pause for young people because uh, there is no there's no penalty if they want to pick up and leave. You know, I know young people can be irrational, and I've uh, got two nephews and two sons in college. I got daughters, 12 and 13. They can be a little emotionally irrational. That's what they that's what they are, and uh, so you got to address the the holes and you know the boys in your roster of where and how you see fit. And um, we feel like we've done that, you know, through the off season. And, um, you know, we, we lost a lot of guys to guys, graduations, so, um, a bunch of guys came out early and then we had some portal guys, all three happened. And so we've, you know, we've had close to 50, 50 plus numbers with both scholarship and, and walk-ons uh, between mid-year and, uh, we had 26 guys that just moved in last Saturday. So, uh, it's exciting, you know, it's, they all, everybody's different. They got, everybody has a, a story and it's on a journey and that's a very exciting thing to to kind of, again, bring it all together and get them to mesh and, you know, to uh, work together, you know, for a common purpose.
0: Last thing, and this is kind of a unique question, I guess, in this circumstance, because a lot of first-year coaches, when you ask them about their long-term vision for a program, they're building something up or they're starting from ground zero and using a lot of miracle grow to get started quickly. Oklahoma's in a bit of a different position, uh, given the success the program's had for the entirety of its... run playing football, essentially. How do you view your role at Oklahoma? And what what's your long-term vision for the program?
1: Yeah, I mean, again, I think it's unique. Of one, it has been very successful. That was quite frankly attractive to me. I like to win. I know, I, know, I know how to win. I won a lot. And so, but there's been tremendous roster turnover between, again, graduation. And we had, uh, we had 11 guys at the Combine. You know, had over 10 guys uh, drafted, and uh, we lost a lot of production. And then we had some portal. Every one of our quarterbacks, <laughs> they all gone. So for us, obviously, you want something. You don't, I'm not concerned about creating a great team. I want a I great program. And a great team is very... Singular focused, and a great program has you know it has a, a, a strong root system. It has a sustainability and longevity. And you do that foundationally, getting the right people. People always make the place. Uh, make no mistake about it. So um, we're going to always be a you know you got to be talented enough. Um, that's a very bare minimum. You got to be talented enough, but I've got to find the right people that fit you know the culture of this place and the values that we have as a program, and they they fit. Um, both scheme-wise and, and uh, who they are, what their, their focus and goals are, and, you know, what they come from. So uh, for us, it's really important that we get the people part right. You know, people that, again, that, you know, they value education, they value structure and accountability, they value relationships, they're looking for, again for all the right things that, that align with
0: us as a program. Coach Venables, thank you so much for taking the time. Good luck in your first season at Oklahoma and best of luck with everything else. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me on. Thank you to Oklahoma head coach Brent Venables for joining the College Football Daily. For myself and our producer Lance Glenn, thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please don't hesitate to leave a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Talk to y'all soon.